Fathom fam, welcome to our weekly Sunday Sermon Podcast. We want to remind you, if you haven't yet, go ahead and download our Church Center app. We've got lots of awesome events coming up, and we don't want you to miss a thing. You can also keep tabs on us over on Instagram or YouTube, our Facebook page, and our Fathom fam Facebook group. We're going to link all those resources in the show notes, and we hope to see you there. But for now, we're going to jump right into the message. Man, I'm, I'm excited about how our church is growing. Kids ministry is growing. Um, the youth ministry is growing. Uh, we're just excited about continuing to, to make room for you. I want to continue to remind you um, that we're making room in one way by offering a Thursday night service. It's the same message, a smaller environment on Thursday nights. While, simultaneously, while student ministry is taking place in the building behind me in our next-gen building, we're in here gathering and worshiping, and, and God's really moving in these times. So I just want to let you know, especially as you get into the holidays and you've got weekend travel and different plans, that that's an option for you. Come hang out on Thursday night sometimes. If you've got other plans on the weekend, um, it's just as holy on Thursdays as it is on Sundays. So y'all come and join us. Uh, also getting really excited about the table uh, and all the amazing events that we have uh, coming up in the future. So make sure you download the Church Center app and stay connected uh, to all that's happening, because there's a lot of fun stuff happening. I don't want you to miss any of it. Um, so a few weeks ago, I, um, I woke up one Tuesday morning, and my phone didn't. You ever have that happen? <laughs> uh, I woke up, my phone, I could not get it powered on. I started Googling on another device, like how to reset it, how to restart it. And it was just like turned into a brick, and I could not get the thing going. It was so frustrating, because so much of my life, like your life, seems to run through um, my device. I'm getting frustrated by it. And, and long story short, I would end up setting several appointments and be really frustrated and, and kind of feeling anxious and like, this is a problem I have to get fixed very quickly, right? When that happens. Uh, long story short, it would take about three days and I went without a phone and it was kind of awesome, right? If you've ever had that happen before, it's like, oh my gosh. And then like, you don't have it and you're like, this is sweet, um, just to feel a disconnection from all these things that seem to demand my attention. And, and so I want you to do something, everybody except for parents of young children that are over in the nursery, I want you to grab your phone. I want to show you this cool feature. It's brand new. It's called power. You can power it off. I want you to turn off your phone. I'm for real. Like you can do this. I know some of you are getting anxious and terrified at the thought of even turning off your phone right now. Right? This is not a trick. I want you to turn off your device. Like I want you to shut it off if you can. Take a second to shut off your device all the way off. You can do it. We're just going to take a minute and let it happen. Some of you, like, you're starting to, to twitch. There's this great scene in the office where they're at a trivia night, and you're not allowed to have your phones during trivia, trivia night. And one of the guys in trivia night, he's like, I just want to be with my phone. I'd rather, like, some of you may feel that, like, I just need to walk out. I'd rather be with my phone. But you can do this. And here's what I've learned over the years is that when the noise around me gets turned down, God's voice gets incredibly loud. When all the distractions of our life and things that are calling and saying, I'm urgent, I'm urgent, when those things get pushed away, God's voice seems to get really loud. As I'm driving back from one of these unsuccessful appointments to get my phone back operational, I just felt this question in my heart what if we were as attentive 
to the Holy Spirit living inside of us as we are to our devices? What, what if we checked in with God and we're talking to God as much as we're texting others? It was a convicting message to myself and I believe it's a convicting message for us as we today consider how our attention might be distracted. Today we're kicking off a new series called Consuming, Consuming. And, and what I began to realize as I considered this is that every single day we seem to bow our heads to these tiny boxes of plastic metal and computer chips. We bow our heads to these little idols and they get our attention. And we're so addicted and devoted to what happens through this device that has drawn us away from paying attention to our God who is a consuming fire. Over the next few weeks, we're not just gonna talk about devices and, and the media that we consume, but I do wanna talk about how the things that we consume are actually consuming us. I, I, I wanna talk about how the journey of discipleship is, is about us learning to let God abide in every space of our life every space of our life, uh, like, a, like a wildfire that's been started in the forest that's just slowly taking over. That's what discipleship, that's God wants every space of our life. And then finally, I wanna kind of land this plane today and throughout this series on what, what does it look like for us to take some practical steps toward God having our total attention, our total worship, our total devotion, what does it look like for us to practically move towards that life? As Americans, we spend a ridiculous amount of time consuming stuff. Whether it's through Amazon or it's the amount of food that we consume above our caloric needed intake. Or guilty as charged, your honor, right? I'm speaking there for me. Um, we spend a ton of time consuming things on our, on our phones. We, we consume these social media feeds that are curated to, to, to have our attention, to develop an addiction, our own devotion to its services, causing us to want more, want more clicks, more likes, more comments. And, and just like the, the, the rat, I forget what the rat, that they... they they taught to just want a little bit more by clicking the button. He would get something, but he wouldn't get something every time. He'd get something every few times. And so he kept going back wanting more of it. And, and, the, and the social component to social media is truly a facade, not for connection, but for disconnection. And as our heads turn downward to our phones, we disconnect from those who are actually present with in it lying in bed, it's just a depressing photo that I've seen. It's a depressing photo that I've lived at times where both of us are staring at our devices, wishing we were closer together, laying in bed at the same time. That's a jarring image of the real disconnection that's actually happening. happening. Our attention in our culture is, is a scarce resource. That's what Herbert Simon, a Nobel Prize winning a scientist, social scientist said, he said, in a world of abundance, we got everything. The only scarcity is really human attention. 
And, and he tracked how, how uh, scarcity has changed throughout the different ages, like dating all the way back to like an agricultural age, land was a scarce resource. Uh, then in the industrial age, labor is a scarce resource. Then in the 20th century, information is a scarce resource. And here today in the internet age, it's our attention. Uh, Michael Hyatt says the superpower of the 21st century is focus. It's, it's our just ability to, to focus. Anybody who can focus on something and be, you, you know, focus, they're gonna achieve more. It's a superpower in our day and age because our attention is all over the place. Back in the 1970s, uh, we as a society um, had about 500 advertisements we were exposed to every day. About 500 ads. That seems like a lot. That's a lot of advertisements until it got to 2007 and that number was 3,000 to 5,000 advertisements every day. That's a significant amount. Today, that number stands at six to 10,000, double what it was just 15 years ago. We're, we're, we, our, our attention is under assault, one expert in the field said. 42% of internet users actually use an ad blocker. Anybody use the ad blocker? Yeah, that's us screaming, we hate this. We don't want this. We don't want our attention to be under assault. Things I don't want, things that are drawing me away from who I wanna be and my soul being satisfied in something deeper than a device or a click or a comment or food or anything else. Like this expert said, our attention is under assault. Our attention is monetized. You know that. Your information is up for sale. And there's actually a monetary value. There is a cost to your attention. And frankly, in their terms, it's worth very little. But yet they want it all. They want as much as they can so they can have more. If your attention has value, it has a monetary cost attached to it. But let me tell you, it's not just a monetary cost. There's a relational cost every time we bow our heads to it. There's, a, there's an emotional cost. Every time you check your phone, your cortisol levels go up. Stress increases, and the more you're addicted to going back to it, it's, there's an emotional cost to it. But what I want to submit to you today is even more than those costs. There is a spiritual cost to our attention, the assault that's happening on our attention. So it, let me just get it personal. It's not just that our attention is under assault. Your attention it's under assault. You see, in a life in Christ demands more than a quick glance to my device every once in a while. A quick glance, a life in Christ demands far more than that. See, God is jealous for more than just a little of our attention. He wants our complete devotion. He wants our complete devotion. So for the next few moments, I, I wanna share with you under this message entitled, Attention Deficit. Attention deficit, because a lot of us in our spiritual life, there is an attention deficit. And God wants our complete devotion. He wants our attention. Back in Deuteronomy chapter four, we just read out of Deuteronomy chapter five, reading Deuteronomy four, just one chapter back, Moses says this to the people of Israel. He says, don't forget the covenant of the Lord your God that he made with you. Do not make for yourselves an idol um, in the form of anything the Lord your God has forbidden. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire. He is a jealous God. You can go back to that ver previous verse, verse 23, for just a moment. He says, be careful 
because he recognizes that these same people, while he was up on Mount Sinai, are already building an idol. (laughs) They've been trained to build idols. There's something in them that feels disconnected when I can't see it and touch it and have control of it. And yet the life they were called to and we are called to in Christ and the new covenant that we are called to, it, it demands our devotion. And so we must too be careful not to forget the covenant the Lord has made with us because it's easy to, to make idols. See, idolatry in the Old Testament really meant two things. We see this in, in the Ten Commandments and throughout the, the, the story in the Old Testament where the people of Israel, there, there's kind of two ways that they can make idols. One, they could worship another God that's not the one true living Yahweh God. They could worship a Buddhist God or a Hindu God or a Wiccan God or whatever other sun God or moon God or you know, carpet God, like whatever it is, they could worship that. So that's making an idol. It's something that's not real and worshiping that. So that's one form of idolatry. The other is to actually make the God of Israel, Yahweh, the one true living God, to make an image out of him. To fashion something in him because then we think we can walk in his presence and walk out his presence. And that's not how God works. Then we think we can hide something from that God with an idol, something we can touch, something we can carry, something we can control, and that's not what God calls us to. The the, the New Testament actually offers us an expanded view on idolatry when Paul says this in Colossians chapter 3, verse 5 to the church at Colossae. He says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetedness, which is idolatry. There's an expansion that that idolatry isn't just these idols that we might worship, but but there's there's a metaphorical sense in which when we give over to our own desires, our own fleshly desires, we make an idol out of that. And one of the largest, and we'll talk about this more in a few minutes, one of the largest idols we make is the one made in our own image. Any, any time that we take the word of God and be like, well, I don't like that part about it. I don't like that God's a, a righteous judge and he will judge the living and the dead. I don't like that. And we just kind of metaphorically just scribble that out. We've immediately made an idol. We're immediately making God in the image that we think he should be, not who he truly is. We've made an idol. He is who he is. That's why when he defined himself, and we're gonna spend the month of December in a series called I Am, talking about how God defines himself. Let this just be kind of a primer for us to truly understand God for who he is. When he said who he is, he said, I am who I am. I am Yahweh God. You see, God demands to be first in our life. And many times when we think of God being first, we think of, okay, I need to get my priorities back in order with God first and my family and my job or whatever. And we begin to think in this sequential order, but I think it's far more helpful to think of God as a center of our life. Everything else in our life is emanating purpose because of our life in him as the central point. I think that's much more helpful understanding my role as a parent, my purpose as a parent comes out of a life in God. And so it's not secondary. Sometimes that is primary to lean into that. My, my career and the place in which I provide for my family, it, it's not just kind of a, a third or fourth thing on the list. No, God's, there's actually purpose in that because God is center point in all of my life. And so this is how we should understand living a ordered life. 
In order for God to have our complete devotion, we must lead an ordered life. And that is what I mean by that. A life that's oriented around the glory of God and the way of life that he calls us into, where he is the central point, providing purpose to everything else. Uh, The Lord your God is a consuming fire. He is a jealous God. Jealous God. That word jealous feels kind of weird to apply to God, does it not? I mean, typically when we use jealousy, we we only think of it in its negative connotations. How can a God who is perfect and uh, and pure and holy also be jealous? This negative connotation we have to it. So it's important that we stop and consider that there is righteous and unrighteous jealousy. There is holy and unholy jealousy. There is an immaturity that we often will operate out of when we're jealous about certain things, but sometimes we're operating in a pure and holy way to be jealous over something. And so God is perfect and pure in his jealousy over us. I think one helpful text to understand the jealousy of God, I think we find in Ezekiel chapter eight, actually. Ezekiel chapter eight, verse three, says he put out the form of a hand and he took me by a lock of my head and the spirit lifted me up between earth and heaven and brought me in the visions of God to Jerusalem to the entrance of the gateway of the inner court that faces north, where was the seat of the image of jealousy, which provokes to jealousy. Essentially, people of Israel had put up an idol in the inner court and that provoked jealousy. It's called here the image of jealousy, which provoked jealousy to God, his pure and righteous motives. God, over the course of their history, they've had problems letting other things become, wanting to have control of it and letting other things come before God. God says, you're not gonna have any other gods before me. I want your complete attention. I want your complete devotion and I'll provide purpose in all those things. Uh, I remember back to when Taryn and I um, were, were, were dating. Uh, we did long distance for two years, y'all. That's when you know it's the real deal. When you hang in there for two years, me learning to talk on the phone for an hour every night, but I hate talking on the phone for like five minutes, right? I was just, let's get to the point, guys. You get it? Like, just get to the point and let's get off the phone. Um, and then, so I would come down on breaks or whatever. Um, and, and so I love you, babe. Um, you're home I'm watching this on- online, but um, <laughs> uh, thank you for caring for our children today. Um, but I remember this, this m- moment that would happen. It happened over and over again where we'd get in the car. We were living nine hours apart. We'd have a weekend together. We'd leave her mom and dad's house. And then we'd be down the road five minutes and her mom would call. And then she'd just get on the phone and just start shooting the breeze about whatever. And I, I didn't understand for a long time why I just became infuriated in that moment. Like I just became angry. And it was just like rage was building up in this moment. And I'm like, I don't even know who, I, I'm not mad at her. I'm not, why, do I, why am I mad at her mom? I'm just mad. And what I began to understand is I was jealous for her attention, right? Was it you know, mature or immature, I'll leave you <laughs> up to decide that, that I was probably being immature, but also there's a purity to that sense where I just wanted to be with her. I just wanted her attention, this quality time, dude, <laughs> who doesn't get to see you much. I just wanted your attention, and that burned. And how much more 
Often when I try to describe and understand the attributes that are pure and holy of God and his jealousy, when I think about my most pure moments of jealousy for my wife, God's attributes and qualities are to infinity and beyond. I think that's helpful to think Buzz Lightyear is like, uh, you know, helpful. God's jealousy is like that so much more for our attention and for our devotion, that he is longing for, for your attention and your affection. But often what we try to do is we try to have our cake and eat it too. We, we try to like read the word and then also check some notifications. We try to listen to a sermon and also be checking Facebook. I'm not calling anybody out. I just know it happens. We, we, we try to give them this halvesy. And even in those very kind of small versions of it, there's a much more heinous version of it where we try to live a life that is whatever we want. We do whatever we want. We worship whatever we want. Monday through Saturday. And then on Sunday, let's break bread. Thank you for grace, Jesus. Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 10. He says, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. And he says this, shall we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? Do, do we get to set the rules of engagement? Can we just go and live how we want every day? Really just as a practical atheist and deny the reality of God's love for us that is so jealous that will not relent until he has it all. Like a, like a spark that's been started in a forest wanting to just take over and consume every part of us so that his purpose may emanate into everything we do. See, I think we must not only live a life that is ordered in Christ with God at the center point, but we must also lead a life that is thoroughly integrated in him. A life that is thoroughly integrated. What I mean by that is a spiritual life in which God is connected to everything we do and everything we do is connected to our life in God. That means there's no area that's blocked off that God cannot have. Your sexuality, your finances, your relationships, how you treat people, how you go about your business at work, and that also means that, that we don't just get to um, kind of put up a front. This is my hope for you, because I believe it's your hope for yourself too. And I know this is God's hope for us, is that we would live an integrated life. And this is a journey. It's a journey I, I, I too am on. To not be one thing here, one thing on Sunday and another thing on Monday. One thing um, when I'm around my friends, another thing when I'm around my family, another thing when I'm around my church friends. No, no, what I, I want for you, what God wants for us is a life that is thoroughly ordered and a life that is thoroughly integrated that really he has it all. He has it all. Everything is connected in him. Our lives must be thoroughly integrated. Ray Ortland has a book um, appropriately titled Whoredom. <laughs> it's a intense title. Um, and he says this in his book, the jealousy of Yahweh is his profoundly intense drive within to protect the interest of his own glory for which he will admit no derogation from his own majesty. What is Ray saying right there? Is no one's exempt from giving God the glory that's due him. He is worthy of it all and more than he's worried about your reputation, 
more than he's worried about your business, more than he's worried about our church growth, he's worried about his glory. That is what is most important to God. And, and, and he's the only one for which that jealousy is perfect all the time. We might be jealous for our own business to succeed more than the next business. We might be jealous for our own church to grow more than the next. But he's the only one that, that, that desire is perfect at all times and in all things. He's perfect in his jealousy. I want to flip over for just a few moments to a passage in Acts chapter 17 in which the Apostle Paul preaches a sermon here in the great city of Athens. And he's calling the people from a life of idolatry, a life that was quite religious, frankly. You know, in our idolatry, we're quite religious about how much football we watch on a Saturday. Guilty as charged. You know, we're quite religious about some of our hobbies. We're quite religious about some of our passions. And Paul is walking through this city that's full of religious icons and idolatry. And here's what he says in verse 23. For while I was passing through and examining the objects of your worship, all these idols, I've also found this altar with this inscription to an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. That phrase just jumped off the, the page to me. That's why I highlighted it there. What you worship in ignorance, and I just began to think, what do we worship in ignorance when we discuss this idea of, of idolatry and making things in our image? And I, I immediately think of how easy it is to do that with sports. Here in the fall, there's just so much stuff going on. Sometimes parents, we actually... Uh, encourage our kids more in their youth sports than we do in their spiritual life. And we should feel convicted about that. We should. It's, more, it's far more likely and it's 100% likely that they're gonna stand before God one day and give an account for the life they've lived and putting their faith in Jesus Christ. That's 100%. The chances of them making the, pro, the pros is slim to none. Like very, very tiny. Uh, the, the, the chances of of uh, of, of college, education, we can begin to make an idol out of that. Sports is one of those. Man, I begin to, to think, where's all my teens in the house? Fathom students, where y'all at? Make some noise. Y'all can do it. Y'all can make some noise. I know y'all around. Y'all just being shy this morning. That extra hour didn't help y'all? Come on. Um, Gen Z, listen to me. One of the biggest idols in your generation. It's an unknown idol. You're worshiping in ignorance. You don't even realize it. Um, is video games. I'm not anti-video game. I will come kick your tail in Madden any day. Did it to my son last weekend. I'll do it. <laughs> I'm not against video games. I'll sit down and play with you. But the devotion that you have to video games, God is jealous for your attention. Don't be parents. It's our job to shepherd that, to lead them not into a life of idolatry uh, of those things, but in God. Well, binge TV, but when's the last time you binged on God's word? When's the last time we, we, we've done that? One of the biggest idols we worship in ignorance is us. We worship ourselves. We worship our own pleasure. We live in a, a postmodern hedonism that's present in our world. That's, that we pursue our own pleasure. We say phrases like, treat yourself, which I love that phrase. It's just fun to say. We say things to people like, whatever makes you happy. 
All the while, we're the most depressed and anxious culture there's, we've known in our lifetime. The more we're seeking for our own pleasure, the more empty we find. And what we're searching for in our scrolls is satisfaction. We're seeking for communion with the one true living God. And so we must be careful that we're not pursuing our own pleasure. Our, our world has largely rejected that there's a grand narrative of the universe, that there is any maker. Our scientists will accept that there's a big bang in which it all started, but they deny who started the bang. <laughs> They deny that, that there is any intelligent being holding the fabric of the universe in its place. Uh, the, the, the likelihood that it, it, it's all by chance uh, is like a, a, a digit that would wrap around the world two times over. That's how long the likelihood uh, you know, is that, that it just happened by chance. Astrophysicists say that. It's, it's, it's truly ridiculous to think that all the, the, the known physical universe and the properties of the universe are being held together by chance. It's impossible. But I ask you, what, what are you worshiping in ignorance? Have you submitted yourself to the one true living God? Maybe, maybe you have in, in word, but maybe indeed there's some things that you're worshiping in ignorance and we need, need to give consideration to today. Let's go back to that text. Let's pick up in uh, verse 24, the God who made the world and everything that is in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, is, does not dwell in temples made by hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all people life and breath to all things. Come on, you ever have somebody call you and the only time they call you is when they need something? You ever do that to God? Just call him because I need something. We're in that type of relationship. Well, here's the thing. And God's calling out to you. He never needs anything. He just wants you. I just, he, just wants, he just wants to spend time with you. He just wants your attention. He's worthy of your attention. He's worthy of our devotion. And so let's give it to him. Let's continue on to the next verse, uh, verse 26. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation, highlighted this, that they would see God if perhaps they might feel around, or some translations say grope for him um, and find him, though he's not far from each one of us. There's something in life in which for a while we're walking in the darkness. Some of you, like you're honest and you're like, hey, I'm, I'm in a season where I'm just kind of trying to throw some stuff to the wall and see what sticks. Trying to find something that will just kind of take the edge off of my marriage problems. Trying to find something that will satisfy my soul while my business is going under. Jeremiah 29, 13 says this, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. Jesus says in Matthew 7, 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find James says in, in James 4, 8, come near to God and he will come near to you. He's not hiding, he's pursuing. He's longing for attention and devotion. And he's the only one that can satisfy our souls. Satisfaction won't be found in the scrolls. It'll be found in the maker of heaven and earth, 
Psalm 107.9 says, for he satisfies the thirsty. He fills the hungry with good things. Yeah, that's talking practically. But that also means spiritually, hunger and thirsting for righteousness. Paul goes on, I, I, I won't spend too much time going back to the text there, but he just goes on and he says, look, a time's here now where God is calling people to repentance. Everywhere, every person, he's calling them to repentance. He's calling them to, to put him first in all things because he is a jealous God and he wants our attention and our worship. The author of Hebrews picks up on this. Um, uh, Jesse, I think you've got that text for me. Hebrews chapter 12, the very end of the chapter says this. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. Let's have gratitude to God and worship him ex acceptably with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. We don't know who the author uh, of Hebrews was, but if I was ever gonna make a case for the Apostle Paul, which I'm not doing, I would point to this verse and point it back to Romans chapter 12 when he says, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, this is your spiritual act of worship that's acceptable to God. Essentially what he's saying here is like, let's give God all the worship that he's due out of gratitude, in view of God's mercy, in view of that he has given his kingdom, not because we deserved it, but because he loves us as sons and daughters, let's respond with gratitude in worship that's authentic and real and humble because he's worthy of it and he's consuming fire. He wants all of it. Hey, I, I gave you two other elements of the acronym, a life that's ordered. We gotta live a life that's integrated. And I believe that we gotta live a life of love. I think that's what's calling a life that's response of God's love for us that we may emanate and bring that to the world around us. And everything we do, it impacts because of his love that's been given to us, the kingdom that's been granted to us. Out of gratitude, out of mercy, we turn and we bring a life of love. Uh, the band's gonna come and begin to, to lead us, but I don't wanna leave us at this moment because I know some of us immediately, we, we get to this place and we're like, okay, I feel some conviction around my attention. Maybe you feel some conviction around your device like I have felt around mine. Maybe it has nothing to do with your device. Maybe it has to do with how often you think about your finances and how little you think about God. How often you check your bank account and how little you check your Bible. How much to-do list you mull over and how little you just sit in God's presence. I wanna call you to a call to action in these next few moments. And for those of you that um, this is home, you know that we break bread every single Sunday and you probably will have noticed we haven't done that yet because we're gonna do that in a few moments as a part of our response time here. I wanna call you to a few moments of call to action. First, I, I think it's important we reflect. We, we reflect on, on what's robbing God of the attention that he deserves. Like, can, can you just take a moment and just slow down and maybe throughout the sermon, there's been some things that have just been popping up. And you're like, frankly, maybe it's ministry. Maybe it's good things. It's not always bad, but good things aren't God things. Good things don't deserve the place of God in our life. We should be being with God far more than we're doing for God. So I wanna call you to reflect on what's robbing God of attention in your life.
Next, let's don't leave it there and just kind of feel kind of bad, but let's actually repent, like, authentically. Let's actually say I'm sorry. You know, usually when my boys are fighting, sorry, boys, I love you, but, you know, it's true. I say, you need to, you need to say you're sorry to your sibling. They're like, sorry, and they walk away. I'm like, not good enough. Come back. You got to mean it. Got to mean it. Repentance is, is meaning it. And it's turning away from those things. But often we get to these first two things. I reflect on what's robbing God's attention. I'm like, I'm sorry, God. And then we don't actually make a plan of action for anything to change. And so most of the time in, in most of our spiritual lives, nothing changes. We stay right where we're at. We go right back to our addictions. We go right back. And the idol stays small. And then it just, we forgot to be careful not to make an idol. And it became an idol. It's like this popped up. It just took over more. It became took this place. And so we need these reminders. Maybe that's what it is for you today. Like it was for Moses and the people of Israel. Be careful not to forget that God is central. We need, we need to make an action plan. And so I want to offer out just a few things. Some of these may resonate. Some of these may not be for you. Make an action plan. Uh, one of the things you could do is, I'm really trying to do this. I'm not great at it every day, but Bible before phone. I just I'm going to read God's word before I check my emails. Come on. Business leaders, where are you at? Guilty as charged. Bible before phone. Minimize notifications. All the things that are screaming for your attention don't deserve your attention. Just minimize them. Just begin to kind of create some space because God's voice is going to get really loud when the distractions start moving. And then maybe... Try this whole thing we've been doing for the past 30 minutes. I'm, I'm guessing this, this sermon's probably landed more than once when your phone's been on. <laughs> Maybe you want to try it for 30 minutes while you're reading the word. Maybe you want to try it for 24 hours on a, on a Sabbath day of rest. I don't know, but just try that. Maybe you need to delete some apps or cancel some subscriptions to some things that are getting way too much time than they deserve. Maybe... Maybe you just need to schedule out, put on your calendar some quiet time with the Lord. Like everything else on your calendar seems to, you never miss. But we skip over our time with God. Maybe just a time where we commit to just go on a quiet prayer walk with the Lord and just no music, no nothing. And just listen and just talk with the Lord. I'm just giving you some some things. I I, want to encourage you in these next few minutes let God do some work on your heart. And in this season, for us to be less consumers and more communers, less consumption, more communing with God. Because there's a life of satisfaction. There's a life of fullness that God wants for you and for me. Not because he needs it, because he wants it. Like if I told you today, like some figure you look up to in life says, hey, I want to come spend time with you. Single folks, that person you've had your eye on, say, hey, I want to spend time with you. You'd be like, woo-hoo, put it on my calendar. I can't wait. The creator of the universe is doing that to you. He said, I want to be with you. And beyond even his own jealousy for that, he's worthy of our attention. He's worthy of our devotion far more than TikTok is. And so let's stand in this moment. This band's going to lead us. And let's just bow our heads and just take a moment of reflection. Let God speak to our hearts. Begin to repent over ways in which we've let idols form. And then Andrew is going to come and invite us to the table in just a few moments.
There's prayer partners at the crosses. We, if you'd like prayer, we'd love to pray with you. Sometimes a sermon leaves you just wanting a little more. If this message has stirred a hunger to go deeper in God's word and you want to learn more about this teaching and how to practically apply it to your everyday walk, make sure to subscribe to our Fathom Beyond Sunday podcast. There you're going to find some great conversations between Next Steps director Christina Scott, along with Pastor Kyle or another leader or guest speaker. We'll link it in the show notes for you. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus or feel led to recommit your life to Christ, we want to celebrate with you and talk with you about what your next step might be. If you're ready to join a group or a serve team or even to request prayer for all of these things, you can text the keyword FATHOM to 97000 anytime and follow the prompts. We love you, we're praying for you, and we hope you tune in again soon.